time enough at last. Submitted for your consideration to sci-fi fans, Sean Majors and Keith Conrad. Rewatch The Twilight Zone from beginning to end. It's like something out of that Twilighty show about that zone. Uniquely American institution known as the Neighborhood Bar. Reading left to right are Mr. Anthony O'Toole, proprietor, who waters his drinks like geraniums, but who stands four square for peace and quiet and for booths for ladies. This is Mr. Joseph J. Callahan, an unregistered bookie, whose entire life is any sporting event with two sides and a set of odds. His idea of a meeting at the summit is any dialogue between a catcher and a pitcher with more than one man on base. And this animated citizen is every anonymous better who ever dropped rent money in a horse race, a prize fight, or a floating crap game, and who took out his frustrations and his insolvency on any vulnerable fellow barstool companion with an arms and fist reach. And this is Mr. Luther Dingle, a vacuum cleaner salesman whose volume of business is roughly that of a valet at a hobo convention. He's a consummate failure in almost everything, but is a good listener and has a prominent jaw. Episode number 55 of the Twilight Zone. Sean, can you believe we've made it to uh, 55 episodes? I cannot. I guess this means it's been well. I guess we missed our year anniversary. Happy happy belated anniversary, Keith. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure that really counts, you know, because <laughs> it's COVID, so we, we didn't have anything better to do, really. Of course, of course. Um, although I think both of us actually kept working during COVID, so I, I guess we did. I'm 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 proud of us either way. So, <laughs> well, you know, it helps when uh, you you really can't get fired. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, episode fifty-five was, of course, Mister Dingle the Strong, and uh, it, it, it's uh, it's another Burgess Meredith episode. So, you know, it's going to be a good one. I absolutely love this episode. I, I very rarely remember it when I'm thinking about the Twilight Zone or Burgess Meredith in the Twilight Zone. Um, it I almost never catch it on marathons, um, but and I always forget that the aliens show up. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, did you see William Shatner show up <laughs> with a Don Rickles mask? Yes. Oh, I did. yes, I, no, that, that, that's right. It was was Don Rickles, not William Shatner, in this one. Star studded, uh, huh? I mean, Burgess Meredith and Don Rickles. Yeah, I'm not sure where, where Don Rickles would have been in his career in uh, in the early 1960s. I, I, <laughs> it, it did say at the end of the episode, you know, spoiler alert, it did in the credits say special guest star Don Rickles. So I'd assume that he was already a big deal. I would imagine so. I mean, you know, he was probably like a, you know, working in the stand up clubs and stuff. He was probably on the Steve Martin show or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I would, uh, I would assume so. And um, Steve you know, Martin, but, Steve Allen, Steve Allen, good lord. Steve, yeah, Steve Martin would have been a, a decade <laughs> or so later. Uh, so, uh, so the the episode centers on Luther Dingle, played by uh, the incomparable Burgess Meredith, the best. And he's a he's a vacuum cleaner salesman. That career really sucks. I. <laughs> When I was watching this, I was trying to like crunch the like the the non-existent numbers in front of me on like the economics of employing a person to go door to door. It's like the 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 conspiracy theory that everybody thinks like uh, mattress stores are money laundering fronts because people buy a mattress what every 10, 12 years. Yeah. Um, yet there's three on you know one block a block away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> vacuum cleaner sales. How? much money are these vacuum cleaning companies making by paying somebody to go door to door 
Well, I guess if they're working on commission, then that makes sense. So. Yeah, my my guess is probably that they they don't pay them. They uh, they just give them commissions on what they sell, and then you know it's it's up to up to poor Luther Dingle to make the sale. Which, uh, as we learn later in the episode, he isn't. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> he did make eighty nine cents commission on a drunk. He he did, which you know that that's not a bad strategy. Just find the drunks who don't know what they're paying for anyway. It's not too bad. It's what no. I based my entire career on. Uh, so Don Rickles punches him, which I would imagine happens quite <laughs> often. You know, like, like especially in that you know in the nineteen sixties, plenty of people were getting punched by Don Rickles in a bar. I, I would imagine that that's probably the least unbelievable thing in this episode. You couldn't swing a cat in the sixties without hitting somebody getting punched by Don Rickles in a bar. Yeah, yeah. I, I, of all the things that happen in this uh, in this episode, it's truly the most believable. Um, he put he punches Burgess Meredith because he like politely disagrees with him. Yeah, very politely. Um, I, over over like not an opinion, but like you know rules of baseball, something that's like objective. Yeah, and, and he and he punches him anyway. So I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure what what's going on there. But I mean, the the funny thing is, so so Don Rickles punches a random guy in the bar. And, you know, later on when we revisit the bar, he's back. So it's it's not like the, the bar owner, the barkeep, actually took it seriously because he, he let him back in. The barkeep is the biggest pushover in the world because he's like, now, I swear to God, if you punch 13 or 14 more, more of my patrons, we're going to have a problem. Yeah. And then, and then later on, he lets, uh, you know, Burgess Meredith destroy the bar, basically. Right. Yeah. 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 You, you can't punch this guy. He might fall and break something. And then he lets Burgess Meredith <laughs> break everything destroy the bar. bar. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a pair of uh, a Martians show up. Are, are they a pair of Martians, or are they just? Or are they Ooh. a Martian? That's a no. Now that's a, that's a good question. It's like if a dog wore pants, would it wear it like this or like this? Mm. I'm going to say a pair of Martians. Yeah, um, and it's interesting because you know, like the Twilight Zone was was serious business. You know, they they had some goofy episodes, which I know you hate. Uh, <laughs> although you like this one, which is which this is, is a goof. This is a goofy episode. I love every minute of it. Uh, Can you imagine, like, when they were in the pre-production process of this uh, <laughs> of this episode? Like, who, who walked in with the drawing of of the, these Martians? <laughs> I want to know who designed the the Venus the Venus aliens later on. <laughs> yeah, they're they're just as bad. Um, really, they were probably just the kids of like two of the production assistants. They just they they just stuck in cloaks and hey, look, you're you're Venusians now. I I'm I'm so sorry to jump all over the place, but the the Venusians was it Star Trek that had like some weird uh uh like kid villain that was obviously like lip syncing the lines oh oh yeah that that was uh that was actually uh, Clint Howard by the way really yes William Shatner was in Star Trek by the way <laughs> god dang it <laughs> um that the the Venusians who show up at, at the end of the episode reminded me of that remind me of Clint Howard oh i i could definitely see that um yeah so so you know i i i don't know like I said, the, the meeting where they unveiled the the, the costume design for these these Martians, I, I just can't imagine what that that would have been like. I mean, so, so you've got two of them. It, it would appear they're in the same body. Yes. 
Uh, but but they're like, like two, a pair of pants, basically. Two, two torsos <laughs> and and heads, but one body. Yes. Um, one of them, they, they both have like pointy things on the top of their head, but one of them has like a little antenna. One one I guess is the communications expert, and the other is the like the one who uh, uh, disperses the the strength ray. Uh, which is totally how that would work in real life. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Um, so so they decide that you know they're they're experimenting on humans as aliens do. <laughs> um, and, and they you can't give- swing a cat without <laughs> hitting an alien expanding on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so so they decide that a good experiment would be to to give some rando a superhuman strength and see what he does with it. I was trying to to find the motivation there, like what what good this is going to do Mars, but I, I didn't dwell on it. So uh, I think they're just trying to show how horrible human beings are. Which, by the way, all they'd have to do is you know watch us for a while. They, they, they wouldn't have to give us human strength, superhuman I mean, strength. Don Rickles, I feel like, is the uh, the epitome of the <laughs> the American male in the sixties. Can, can you imagine if, for some reason, they had decided to give Don Rickles uh, three hundred times the the strength of a uh, normal human? He pro- mm, I wonder. I wonder if he would have like if he would have wielded that power a little bit more um, responsibly and done, done more good with it. Um, could very well be. Um, so so he gets the human strength, a superhuman strength, and he just. He just just starts doing like you know. He he uh, he just starts demonstrating it in in the weirdest ways possible. Like he throws a, a football like three miles, <laughs> underhanded too. Uh, underhanded too, yeah. Which, which you know, at, at one point that was the style. Um, By the way, I the the um the painter on the ladder that's like observing this entire interaction between that kid mm-hmm. who like threatens to get his dad to be beat up uh, Burgess Meredith and, he and then he's buddies the with him a second later <laughs> yes exactly uh so so he so he throws the uh, underhands the football like 3 miles and then um mm-hmm. uh he rips the handle off of a taxi cab which which by the way n- neither of those are intentional no, no. um so uh, so then uh, he goes to a park, I believe it is, and then he's uh, he, he's talking to a, a random woman who um, uh, indulges him. Doesn't seem at all freaked out by the fact that this random guy is is uh, random guy holding a vacuum cleaner is talking to her. He says he says to her, um, "Can I share with you the most of my worry, or something like that?" He doesn't say, "Can I just like talk to you for a few minutes?" or "Can I just share with you one anecdote?" He says or, the most of, <laughs> or "Can I offer you a box of chocolates?" You know, <laughs> as people normally do when they encounter strangers on park benches. As long as they're you know wearing a nice white suit and uh, look like Tom Hanks, um, the uh, it, when he picks up the bench with the woman on it mm-hmm. her reaction is like irrationally like hysterical uh it, it is but but I, i'm not sure what they were doing there it was something weird because like she is just sort of like looking over the bench but they've got this <laughs> weird scream just yeah. like uh, clearly dubbed after the fact yeah it's definitely 80 yard but like Burgess Meredith is probably like five one, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like she's like she's not getting picked up that that high, and she is like screaming bloody murder. 
<laughs> Although as some rando just picked up the chair you were sitting in and, and true, very true, you know, held it over his head, you'd probably be a little freaked out. You'd probably actually be screaming in the moment and not have to be ADR'd later. <laughs> I would do the uh, the Ralph Wiggum nervous chuckle. I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm in danger. <laughs> I'm in danger. That's what. It is. <laughs> Uh, so, so then after that, I guess he, he, uh, uh, he starts, uh, starts ripping rocks in half, which, uh, <laughs> ultimately gets the attention of a local reporter. And, uh, so then he asks for a better demonstration of his strength and, uh, Dingle picks up a statue. And poses as the statue while he's holding the statue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As one I, does. I thought the, the effects in, in, in that sequence were actually pretty good. Yeah, the uh, the the uh, the tearing of the rocks that that, that was uh, that was actually pretty good for for 1961. Not too bad. No, not not bad at all. So uh, after that, he reaches a certain amount of fame, as as you might expect, because you know he's picking up statues and and, and such. Not not so much for picking up women, but no. for picking up the statue, he gets uh, he gets some uh, some attention for that. And he ends up uh, back at the bar, where, by the way, Don Rickles has been warm, uh, warmly welcomed back in. A TV crew just just randomly walks in. I love it that they're they're asking, you know, they're they're trying to, um, you know, you need to take this offer, you need to work with me, and then um, just, you know, you you come from the, from the news industry, and I've I've worked with local reporters a bunch of, at events. It just it was really funny just to see like three guys wheeling a giant camera, and then and then one guy just like sit in front of it like that was the easiest thing in the world. Yeah, he just walks in and says, "Hey, put this light here, put this light here," and boom, they're on they're on TV, presumably live. I, I would imagine live. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, especially yeah, in, in 1961, yeah, they they were definitely live. So, you know, usually I I, I don't know how TV worked back in the 60s because uh, I wasn't alive. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I can't say for sure, but I, I would imagine that there was a lot more uh, uh, footwork involved ahead of time then than there is now. And now you'd even have, you know some conversations ahead of time you wouldn't just just roll the camera in and start start filming they're the they're the best in the biz that's why uh whatever his name is from the the world's weirdest show or whatever show it is <laughs> they just they just roll in and start rolling yeah i mean what would they what, what do they do just like sit in their sit in their van waiting for some weird thing to happen so they can they can bring it to people on tv live Oh God! It's six fifty nine. We got to go live in one minute. Go 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 go. Go find something weird. <laughs> that guy looks weird. <laughs> uh, th- th- that might actually be what they did back in the in the sixties. They had a lot of time to fill back then. You know, not quite like cable news now, but but they still had time to fill. <laughs> Three channels, man. Uh, so he he does a couple parlor tricks. Uh, I, I, he punches the wall, uh, breaks a table. And then he's uh, he's he's in the middle of trying to lift the whole building, and uh, then the 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 two headed Martian shows up again, and uh, and and they decide you know look at this dork he's just sitting here doing doing weird parlor tricks let's take the uh, strength away from him and see what happens, and and so they do and and so uh, everybody just assumes that Dingle was a fake and uh, it was fake news you might say to, to coin a term. <laughs> And, uh, um, you know, everybody goes about their business. Uh, Don Rickles punches a few people on his way out. 
as always. I mean, that's that's really the only way to do it. Exactly. And then, uh, as they are there uh, in the aftermath, the uh, the Venusians show up, and and uh, there's actually two of them, I believe. Yeah. There's two of them, and I I I know at least one has just a cute little drawn-on mustache. Of course, yeah, because you know <laughs> a- aliens would have a mustache. It's like what they did to. Have you ever seen the movie Zardoz with Sean Connery? Yes. It's like the beginning with like all the mustaches and eyebrows are all like drawn on with a sharpie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's how it is on Venus. Um, I do like that they chose um, basically our two planetary neighbors mm-hmm. as as those who like just roll into random bars and are like, hey, what are you doing here, uh, Venusian? Uh, hey, Martian. Uh, yeah, you guys are making this guy strong. Yeah, yeah. Well, you should try a super intelligence. Oh, uh, yeah, we, 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 we might give that a try. Yeah, so so they do, and uh, you know, it, it reminds me of the, uh, the the moment in The Simpsons where Homer finds uh, um, uh, Henry Kissinger's uh, glasses in the toilet, <laughs> and, he, and he puts them on, and, and he starts uh, he starts doing the the riff from uh, you know the Scarecrow when he becomes smart. He yeah. goes, you know, the the angles of an isosceles triangle, and some guy in the other stall goes, "It's a right triangle, you idiot." <laughs> Henry Kissinger's glasses, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they make everybody smart, except for him. Um, and, uh, well, I, I shouldn't say that about Kissinger. I'm sure he's a perfectly nice guy. Surely. Uh, so so the, uh, the Venusians, they decide they're going to make him smart. And, um, you know, I, I would assume, much like the superhuman strength that Dingle just uses it to, uh, to you know, impress people in the bar and get, otherwise get on TV and things like that, it, it makes you wonder, like, what society missed out on if, if Dingle had been a little bit smarter and, you know, been like John Travolta in the movie Phenomenon and actually, like, <laughs> like took some time to figure out, okay, this is how we're going to solve all the world's problems before he lost his uh, his intelligence. Yeah, if he can, uh, they basically demonstrate his intelligence by, you know, him being able to predict what exactly is going to happen on, you know, the next play in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, imagine the things that he could have done. Cure cancer. But anticipate I, so many things in but, the but I'm, I'm sure he didn't I'm sure all he did was use his, his intelligence to keep Don Rickles from punching him that's probably what he did <laughs> exit Mr. Luther Dingle formerly vacuum cleaner salesman strongest man on earth and now mental giant these latter powers will very likely be eliminated before too long but Mr. Dingle has an appeal to extraterrestrial note takers as well as to frustrated and insolvent bet losers Offhand, I'd say that he was in for a great deal of extremely odd periods, simply because there are so many inhabited planets who send down observers, and also because, of course, Mr. Dingle lives his life with one foot in his mouth and the other in the Twilight Zone. Abatron? 